in a world longing for spiritual renewal, the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, answered the call of sincere believers. Their faith and unwavering commitment to Islam lit a flame of hope in a world engulfed in darkness. Join us on Footprints as we journey through the remarkable lives of these companions, exploring their enduring legacy and lessons that they left behind for all of humanity. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa usalli wa usallimu ala al-mab'uthi rahmatan lil-alameen Nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihadihi wa aqtada bi sunnati la yumid deen wa ba'd Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to our series on the lives of the companions of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Insha'Allah, in today's episode, we will again discuss another member of the family of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This time, a family member again was very beloved to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A man from amongst the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the brother to Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. For those of us who've already guessed it, you probably guessed it right. Who was it? Ja'far bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu is his name. Ja'far bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu is actually the younger brother of Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. Ja'far bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu is 10 years younger than Ali radiallahu anhu. And Ja'far radiallahu anhu was that companion about whom the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, That your appearance resembles my appearance and your character resembles my character. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also said about Ja'far bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu on another occasion, Anta minni wa anta min shajarati. You are from me and you are from my family tree. When both the Arabic and the English rhyme, it sounds really nice to me. Anta minni wa anta min shajarati. Wa anta min shajarati. Nonetheless, so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's cousin, Ja'far bin Abi Talib is the son of Abu Talib, who is the brother of Abdullah, who is the father of the Prophet They are first cousins, and we know exactly where this family tree, this genealogy, goes up to. Ja'far is also listed amongst those who embraced Islam early on. Ja'far bin Abi Talib embraced Islam in the very same day as we find in reports his wife, a very special woman, a woman by the name of Asma'a bint Umais. Now, Asma'a is actually the name of Asma. What we know as Asma is Asma'a bint Umais. Asma'a bint Umais accepted Islam the same day as Ja'far bin Abi Talib. This was probably approximately in the fifth year after the mission. In the fifth year after the mission, we've got the 13 years after the Prophet ﷺ is commissioned with prophethood, and then we have the 10 years after Hijrah. So the years of the prophethood in Mecca, probably around the fifth year, is when Jafar bin Abi Talib who embraces Islam. One of the most significant incidents 
in the life of Ja'far bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu is his introduction to Islam, his giving an introduction to Najashi about Islam. This happens after he makes hijrah to Habasha. When we speak about the migration of the Muslims from Mecca to Habasha, to Abyssinia, Northeast Africa, we are talking about Jafar bin Abi Talib They are synonymous. They go hand in hand. Like the Battle of Uhud, Talha. It belongs to Talha bin Ubaidullah. And of course, Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib or Badr, all Hamza radiallahu anhu. The conquest of Mecca, many people actually attribute it to Bilal bin Rabah radiallahu anhu. Regardless. And then you've got like, for instance, Mu'tah. And then you've got Yarmouk, Abu Ubaidat ibn al-Jarrah and Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu. And then you have Yamama, Wahshi ibn Harb radiallahu anhu, who killed Musaylim al-Kadhab. So as for the migration of Muslims to Habasha, to Abyssinia, this goes to Jafar bin, he takes it. This is Ja'far bin Abi Talib anhu's legacy. And what he did for the Muslims will forever be remembered as the legacy of Ja'far bin Abi Talib. Of course, there's more, much more, to the legacy of Ja'far bin Abi Talib anhu. But because he didn't live for too long and left this world during the time of the Prophet despite that, he has conquered so much. He's accomplished so much. Now let us begin first with the his migration to Habasha. He would get married to Asma bin Umais. They would migrate to Habasha and there they would have three sons. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would bless them with Auf and Abdullah and Muhammad. Regarding Auf, I believe the Prophet said that Auf resembles his uncle Ali bin Abi Talib, whereas Abdullah resembles the Prophet himself. Nevertheless, now we go ahead. In the seventh year of the mission is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give permission to the Muslims, the Prophet to give permission to the Muslims to migrate from Mecca to Habasha to escape the torture and the persecutions and the hardships borne by the Muslims at the hands of the Quraysh. Now the Quraysh wouldn't like this. One, they didn't want that these people leave Mecca and they go to Habasha where they know there's a nice king, Negus or Najashi, who is a nice man, a very, very uh, welcoming man, a very hospitable person who might just allow these people to live in peace and they might just gain momentum there. There's no way the people of Mecca who have persecuted and tortured the Muslims for years are going to allow this to happen. And two, why were they able to, to escape our grip? We want to continue to torture these people and we want to continue to persecute them and harass them. So the people of Mecca were not having it. They were not going to allow the Muslims to just go to Habasha and live there in peace. This is not how it was going to work. They tried. They made an attempt the first time to get after them, but they had realized by the time they made it to shore, perhaps the port in Jeddah, the Muslims had already gone. Now what they would decide to do is they would appoint two of those from amongst them who had the gift of the gap. They were excellent spokespersons, namely Abdullah bin Rabi'ah and the great Amr bin As. Amr bin As, who again is synonymous with Egypt. Amr bin As radiallahu anhu. So this Abdullah bin Rabi'ah, both of whom amazingly later on 
would accept Islam, and of course, you can imagine, become great Muslims. Abdullah bin Rabia and Amr ibn As they would be selected by the Meccans, the Quraysh, the elite, to go to Najashi and to tell Najashi that these people are renegades and these people are fools and how dare they do this to us and that these people started this new religion, neither the religion of the Christians nor the religion of the Meccans. Nonetheless, they leave. Abdullah ibn Rabi'ah and uh, Amr ibn al-As would leave Mecca. They would come to the land of Najashi. And there they would present to Najashi and the viziers of Najashi and all of Najashi's men and all of his courtiers. They would present to them these handsome gifts just in case we're not able to win them over with our words when we try to deceive them to convince them, perhaps we can give all of his bishops and all of those sitting there with him, we can give them all of these gifts so they too can take our side when we try to convince Najashi. Off they go. And so, they would begin. They go to the court of Najashi and they start to speak all this nonsense regarding the Muslims. Your honor, your, 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 your honor, sorry, your honor, these are people who are fools, who have left our lands, we are their uncles, we are their brothers, we are, they're amongst them, those who are related, their relatives to us, they have renounced their religion, they have started a new religion, rather they have left the creed and the religion of their forefathers, and they don't believe in your religion, nor do they believe in our religion, and so Najashi was a man of understanding. He was a man of, of wisdom. Najashi decided to listen to the other side of the story first. And so he requested the Muslims. He summoned the Muslims to bring to him one from amongst them who would be able to mention or to be able to explain rather to Najashi if this was the case or not. So lo and behold... Here comes Ja'far bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. Ja'far bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu would, would come to the to court of Najashi and inarguably one of the greatest descriptions ever given, one of the greatest introductions, one of the greatest little messages. Ja'far bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu would stand up and would say, Your Honor, we were a people that were ignorant. We were people that used to eat dead meat. We were a people that were involved and engrossed heavily in vice and in sin. We had absolutely no consideration for family ties. We worshipped idols and stones. We lived by the law of the jungle. We believed that only those who were fit deserved to survive. We had absolutely no concept of chastity amongst us or modesty amongst us. There was no such thing as purity. And then we, from, from Allah sent to us, from amongst us, a man who called us towards his oneness. And he told us that we shun idolatry and worship no idol or stone. He called us to that which was the truth. He invited us towards faithfulness and that we are faithful and fulfill our trusts. And he encouraged us to fulfill the rights of our kith, our kin and our neighbors. And he told us about not 
about uh, he told us about fulfilling the rights of women he told us about not eating or consuming or usurping that which belonged to the orphan and not engaging in any vice or evil and that we establish the prayer and we give the alms and we fast and that we believe and he came to us we believed him we believed his injunctions and in his teachings and whatever he has allowed us to do that is what we allow and whatever he has forbidden that is what we refrain from. We have adhered to everything he has come to us with. When Najashi heard this, he was absolutely amazed. And he said that, Jafar bin Abi Talib said, that is why these people have risen above us. That is why these people have come here. They want to come here because they want us to forsake our worship. They want us to go right back and return to idolatry. These people want to continue to torture us and harass us and injure us and persecute us. This is what these people want. They want no, they want that we have absolutely no safety, that we enjoy no peace, and thus they have decided to follow us here. Najashi was amazed. He asked Jafar bin Abi Talib if he had anything with him, a scroll perhaps on which it was written, whatever it was, that this messenger that was sent to them from amongst them, if he could perhaps read for him anything that he had with them. Jafar bin Abi Talib who agreed, and he decided to read for him the verses of Surah Maryam indeed. And so he ran. Sorry, he read. And so Jafar who would read. And he read until Najashi's eyes started to swell up with tears. And he began to cry. And then he said, you people are absolutely free to stay in my land. There is nobody that should cause you or bring to you any harm or any inconvenience as long as you are here you shall be safe peaceful and protected these are the same words that jesus had been sent with amr ibn al-as and abdullah ibn or abdullah yes abdullah ibn rabiyah this wouldn't sit with them too well and they didn't like this and they decided that they're going to go back and they were going to have to devise or hatch a conspiratory plan with which they're going to be able to convince Najashi that these people are wrong and that they need to come right back to Mecca where they belong. Hey, so what happens? Amr ibn al-As and Abdullah ibn Rabi'ah go back. And Amr ibn al-As says, I know a plan as a result of which I'll have these people plucked forever. What is it? I'll tell these people, no, Abdullah bin Rabi'ah said, but hold on, they are our relatives. Why would you conspire to do such a thing against these people? He says, don't worry, I'm going to tell Najashi that these people believe that Jesus is the slave of God, keeping in mind that Najashi was a very staunch Christian. And for him to hear that somebody believes that Jesus is the slave of God is blasphemous. So he thought this would work. Nonetheless, he would tell Najashi what all these people believe that he is the slave of God and that this is what these people believe that he's the slave of God. Najashi would again say the same thing. Why don't we have them summoned? Let's call them and ask them exactly what they believe regarding Jesus, the son of Mary. So Ja'far bin Abi Talib would stand up once again 
and he would say it as it is. You come to Islam, you come as you are to Islam as it is. Jafir bin Abi Talib who stands and he begins, he says, Your Honor, we believe that Jesus, he was the slave of Allah. He was the messenger of Allah. He was the word of Allah. He was the spirit of Allah. Najashi was very pleased and he loved what he heard. But the bishops that were there with them rather didn't like what they had heard. They started to make some noise and produce a little bit of, you know, uneasiness. But this wouldn't change a thing in Najashi's. He would again announce, you people, i.e. the Muslims, you may go and live freely. Nobody is to do any harm to you. This land of mine is a sanctuary for you. No punishment, no abuse should be meted to you. All of these gifts that have been given to us and presented to us by the Quraysh are all to be returned to them at once. We never accepted a bribe from anybody. We'll never accept a bribe against Allah. The end. Jafar radiallahu anhu would continue to stay on. This legend of a companion of the Prophet would keep those that were there in complete peace as Allah had decreed for the Muslims and they would continue to live there all the way until the conquest of Khaybar took place one day. Now this was a long time. If we're looking at the seventh year after the mission, the eighth, the ninth, the tenth, the eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, six years there, and the conquest of Khaybar would take place approximately in the seventh year. Almost thirteen years later, Jafar would return. So much delight would the Prophet find at the return of Jafar, though the conquest of Khaybar was an absolute milestone, a massive, colossal accomplishment for the Muslims. But said the Prophet on that occasion, I don't know which one brings me more happiness this day. Is it A, the conquest of Khaybar, or B, the return of my Jafar to me? That was the love that the Prophet ﷺ had for this beloved cousin of his. Let's fast forward. Now we're in the eighth year after Hijrah. In the eighth year after Hijrah, a battle would take place. Now keep in mind, Jafar missed out on the Badr and on the Uhud and on the Khandaq. Great expeditions and military campaigns. But it's time for Jafar to try to catch up. Not that he needed to catch up. He's played a role in Islam like no other. But because Jafar had this zeal and fervor to also be listed amongst those who left their names, they left their marks and footprints in the history, in the annals of history, Jafar would be appointed as one of the three great commanders to lead the Muslims in the Battle of Mu'ta against the Byzantium. The Prophet would announce, Zayd bin Haritha, when he, he'll carry the flag of Islam. And when he falls, it'll be picked up by Jafar bin Abi Talib. And he will continue to bear the flag of Islam. He falls, Abdullah bin Rawah After this, the Muslims will consult amongst themselves and they'll decide who picks it up. Who? Khalid bin Walid ended up picking it up. But wait, 
let us relate to you the story as the Prophet sees it happening before his eyes. Sitting in Masjid Nabi the Muslims have been dispatched until they came to a place in Jordan where this great battle of Islam would take place. And indeed, the Muslims would of course lose. They would suffer losses because it was a very, very difficult odds. 200,000 versus 3,000. Thousand alone. We can possibly imagine what the odds against the Muslims are like. 200,000 again versus 3,000 from amongst the Muslims. Here it is. And the disbelievers, they see what the Muslims have come with. Ja'far bin Abi Talib he is doing what he does. Ja'far has had He's been waiting for this opportunity. Allah blesses him with this opportunity. He wreaks havoc in the ranks of the disbelievers until Zayd bin Haritha who falls. Jafar bin Abi Talib would pick up the flag of Islam and in the midst of an entire group of enemies, he would wreak havoc again in the thick of enemy lines. Jafar bin Abi Talib would have his right hand severed from his body. He would pick up the flag of Islam that he did not allow to go down with his left. Jafar then have his left hand severed from his body. But he would not allow the flag of Islam to go down. He would use the remaining parts of his arms to keep up with the help of his bosom. He would keep up the flag of Islam. And there and then, the enemy would finally strike Jafar. The Prophet was sitting in Masjid Nabu in Medina Tumunawara, and Allah had lifted the land of Muta for him to be able to see with his eye everything that transpired. And he narrated it to the Sahaba as it happened. And he says, Oh, they just killed Jafar. They've severed his arms from his body. Allah has dispatched two angels to replace the two arms of Jafar two wings of Jannah. Oh, I see Ja'far who flying in Jannah. And thus, he was given the title of Tayyar. Ja'far, the flyer. Another one of the names, his great companion of the Prophet was given was the, the father, Abu al-Masakin, the father of the poor. He loved the poor. He took care of the poor. He used to, listen, he used to sit with and he used to feed and serve the poor. They loved him too. They loved him back. They took care of him and fed him. They knew that he appreciated and acknowledged what they meant to him. So they knew what he meant to them. Ja'far his love for the poor know no bounds. In that one battle alone, boy, did he leave his mark. He would sustain 90 stabs and strikes and wounds. 90. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with the ability to make up for whatever deficiencies we have. These people, really, he didn't miss out on much, but he just wanted to have it all. When it came to the life hereafter, they wanted it all. Just like we want everything in this world. Their vision was different. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with the same vision of people the likes of Jafar bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. Stay tuned for the next episode on the lives of the Sahaba.